You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guy. <laughs> And the girl. <laughs> oh man, it's a, it's a, you know what? People are out there working, so we're going to carry the show. Uh, first of all, across from me, the one and only Miss Bliss McGinnis, producer extraordinaire. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and on Skype, all the way from the East Coast, the one and only. Rob Arbiter, the Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, or lady and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I don't know where everybody went. I mean, I know people are working. I know people are out there, but uh, I have no idea where they are. But I, I, It's I, no excuse. I'm working. I'm here. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Well, Bobby, Bobby O has... Um, you know, our hearts go out with him. He's dealing with some stuff with some family issues. So I definitely wanted to, you know, send some positive vibes his way. But I don't know where the oh. other guys are. But um, that's okay. We've got a lot to talk about. And we have an amazing guest. And this show is going to be unique. We're doing things in the audio now, Cast that are a little different. Um, but um, joining us for this show is a musician that we actually saw play for a KCRW event, The Moth. And we're so blown away by his skill and what he did that literally – I I was I must have seemed like an eager puppy afterwards because I went up to afterwards <laughs> and I'm like, hey, won't you be on the podcast? Blah, 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 blah. I want to do your laundry and I want to shine your shoes. And all I'm like, thing. Mike, play it cool, and then he did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but joining us today, we are honored to have uh, Mr. Alan Price. Thank you for having me, Alan. It was it was you know thank you for showing up. <laughs> <laughs> or else it'd be really light. <laughs> and actually, we yeah. also have another guest, too. Um, joining us for the podcast is my intern for the summer, <laughs> and he'll probably be on a couple podcasts. Um, his name is Mr. Marshall Moore. Marshall. Howdy, everybody. Marshall, give a shout out to your parents. Shouts out to my parents. Let them know you're, you're doing well. <laughs> doing great. <laughs> shout out to Marshall's dad. He was really nice. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, but yeah, but Marshall's, uh, Marshall's my intern and it's really good and he's actually doing a great job. And, uh, how, how is it being an intern? It's great. I, I like it a lot. It's, I feel like I'm doing some cool stuff that's getting out there in the world. How amazing is it working with me? Oh, it's just the best possible experience. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lucky guy. Can I be your intern, Mike? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Marshall's really good, and he's only had to get me a Diet Coke once. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Nice. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're going to spend the second half where we're going to be talking with Alan. Um, Alan is a musician who um, plays the violin, and I'm not going to say much more other than that because um, he has a unique style, and it's it's phenomenal. And he's actually going to play play for us a little bit, so looking forward to that. Yeah. But on the first first half, I want to talk about a couple things, and uh, um, it's not going to be too techy um, because there's a couple things that happened this past week that I wanted to kind of bring to everybody, and I think everybody can chime in on. So everybody, feel free to to talk about this. And one is, I got sent three songs by a songwriter friend who wanted an honest evaluation of the songs. Oh, they never won an honest evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> never honest. Uh, oh, oh man! You know, 
first of all, when I get songs that like this, I mean, I it's just my opinion. And I usually preference it by saying it's just my opinion because music is so subjective. But you always, you're kind of, you know, just how honest do you get with people? Right. And I listen to the songs and and I, we've talked about this a little bit before, but um, I basically said, do you want me to be friend honest or do you want me to be industry honest? <laughs> and she's like, go industry honest. And then... Let me just tell you, it, it wasn't good. And the reason why it wasn't good is the actual production was good, but the the lyrics were really horrible and the melodies were, were all over the place. And the reason why I wanted to bring it up is it was a really difficult situation because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but at the same time, you want to be honest so that they never do it like this again. <laughs> or destroy their career. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just... And I wanted to, I just wanted to open this up like, Rob, I'm sure you've had this happen a gazillion times where people send you stuff to get to Stevie and things like that. It's like, how do you filter it? And do you take joy in crushing people's hopes and dreams? <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the time when I've gotten it, it hasn't necessarily been stuff to get to Stevie. It's more been when I've been developing different artists and looking for material, you know, and it's, and I'm going to be the actual decision maker. Because um, Stevie, for the most part, is writing his own stuff, so it's not uh, it's not very often that someone would present him a song that he'd even consider. But uh, when I'm developing artists myself and and looking for material, I mean, I have to be brutally honest. And I mean, I guess it sort of helps me that I have a reputation for being kind of brutally honest about that stuff, so they're not all that surprised if I am. I mean, I try to do it with humor <laughs> and as friendly as possible, but. <laughs> you're not Cushion doing them the a blow. favor <laughs> Tell them it's good if it's not good and I'll, I'll also say you know look this is just my opinion but you know I do have 30 years experience <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just my opinion but it's been formed around a lot of like brutal experiences so <laughs> I'll take the uh, you talk to someone who's been doing this for a while especially someone who's been responsible for vetting material and by the way don't fall for the don't fall for the bs about somebody being too old i mean clive davis is still picking material you know in his what is it 70s 80s i don't even know where he is now but uh people you know as you get older your sensibilities change a bit but if it's someone who stays in touch with what the latest trends are in music and what's selling and what audiences are responding to then one of the beginner mistakes that I think a lot of young songwriters and artists make is they'll say, well, that guy just doesn't get what I'm doing because he's old. And as a young songwriter, you shouldn't fall into that trap. Because There are plenty of really old guys who still really know what an audience is going to connect with. And, and don't fall into that trap thinking, oh, I'm young, so I must be cool. <laughs> uh, that turns out not to be the case in the real world. <laughs> but Rob, you are young and you are cool. I'm just saying. I've never either. <laughs> I was neither young or cool ever, but I have a pretty good idea in certain genres of what an audience is going to connect with. Right. And, and if you can show people the chart numbers to, to prove you know what you're talking about, they should take you seriously. Well, but, yeah, I um, mean, it's just a, it's a weird situation when people want their, when, when people want your opinion. I mean, Alan, I'm sure you've had people, you know, hey, I want you to jam on this. And, and I'm sure you've had your share of really good music and really 
<laughs> bad oh, yeah. music. I mean, how do you let them down? What do you usually say? Well, What's your go-to? I basically let them know that I appreciate their enthusiasm, but it's not my cup of tea, and this is why, you know. <laughs> just kind of like let them know that, you know, this is just my opinion, but this is what I have to say. And oftentimes it'll be just weak production, weak just uh, takes, uh, background vocals out of tune, out of sync, right. drum grooves out of sync, that type of thing. Like, And sometimes it's easy fixes, and when it's easy fixes, I'm more inclined to uh, be more honest. <laughs> but sometimes it's just damage control, and you just basically say, you know, this is, this is cool, and you kind of have to just... Because to really let them know would be to tear everything apart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, spoken like a guy who went to Berkeley. <laughs> you still have to keep the diplomacy. Well, you know what, though? Actually, going to, to Berkeley, and I'm sure you've experienced this, and, and for myself, you know, I went to Art Center, um, College of Design. Like, when you had, um, when it was critique day, and you had to present in front of your class, and they were brutal like so it's like i think that trained me for being able to take criticism because i get so much of it all the time constantly <laughs> <laughs> but literally it you know i'm sure you developed a thick skin you know in berkeley because yeah. you're, you're going up against all these other guys and yeah. yeah we have like a class called ear training we have four levels and depending on the teacher they uh rip you apart more but basically each week or each month the students have to sing in front of the teacher and they have to conduct at the same time. And, uh, you know, some of the teachers, you know, they're just very real with it. And they let the students know, like, I don't think you practiced, you know, and all wow. this stuff. And I think, you know, as long as there's love behind the critique, sure. then they should take it uh, with a grain of salt. Yeah. But because, you know, like, the greats have been, you know, critique too it's not a bad thing yeah no i think learning to take criticism in the industry no matter if you're a sound designer no matter if you're a songwriter if you're a mixer you gotta learn how to take criticism because that's going to elevate you to the next level when you can come back and say okay hey thanks i took your criticism and can we move on to this can we move on to that i mean marshall you're going to school right now mm -hmm. are you getting critiqued a lot in, in your classes and do you have anybody, any students that are like, take it personal and stuff like that? Honestly, I feel like I, so I'm, I'm a music business student and an English student and uh, English is my major. I feel like honestly, there's not a lot of <laughs> yeah, not, going on. Not, wait, <laughs> I didn't know you were music. I didn't know you were an English major. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That is really cool. So basically what you're saying is you're doing all this mixing, but you're not going to apply any of it at school when you get back. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you are so good. Sorry. I just want to <laughs> shout out to his parents because he really is good. Um, but uh, Bliss, what about you? I know in the visual world, you get critiqued all the time. Oh, yeah. There's many levels of critiques. There's my critique, my producer's critique, my executive producer's critique. And there's the client's critique, and then there is the uh, client's client's critique, and then there's the filmmaker's critique, and the talent critique. <laughs> and all of these are manifested in the word notes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I just... And it's fun when some of them conflict. <laughs> and you have to... It's open for interpretation there. Got to make Remember a call. Also well, remember also, there's two kinds of critique. There's the kind of critique that's going to make you better 
at your craft artistically, and there's a kind of critique that's going to help you get the job done and sold and out the door. That's true. And, and you know, because I've I've worked for plenty of clients, plenty of clients who I think are just wrong, but I'm going to follow their critique to get them to say the project is done. <laughs> Yes. Preach it. Preach it. (laughs) That's very different than trying to do something I feel creatively really attached and excited about. Yeah, a lot of um, us feel that our V1s are our pride and joys, and then the rest of the versions just, Mm -hmm. you know, become the thing that the client wants and that we have to give to them, so we do, but our V1s are always our, our pride and joy. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about criticism, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about getting feedback because it literally happened, and it's how you react to this. And and I think it's a type of, of uh, you know, life lesson that's going to help you no matter what you do in audio, no matter what you do in life, really, if you can learn how to take um, a little criticism and learn how to process it. Now, on the other side, on the total other side, right, you could – there's nothing wrong with vetting who's doing the criticizing, Right. If you believe in something and you're asking somebody or somebody gives you unsolicited criticism, um, there's nothing wrong with not listening to it. <laughs> right. I mean, if you know, what if they're giving you money and <laughs> you listen to it, <laughs> if they're a client? Yes. But no, but there are people out there that criticize because they just like to criticize, yeah. you know? And it's a really fine line. You got to really vet who to listen to and who not to listen to. But if you can kind of manage that and, and know who to listen to, like if I'm doing sound design and I'm talking with somebody who's maybe an editor and they have some critique and you're like, okay, yeah, let's work together. But if I'm doing sound design and then somebody comes in and says something that's totally you know, unsolicited and they don't like the way something sounds or they want something a little obvious, then, okay, yeah, sure, thanks. And then you turn around and you keep working. You know, it's just, you got you to gotta vet, so. You know what, I have, and I have to be careful, but I have such horror stories of like working with an artist and working on a song for like weeks and then being near finished the song and the artist will have their girlfriend show up and play for the girlfriend and the girlfriend will say, Oh, I think it should be a little faster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And I'm going back to the days when you couldn't just like hit a button. It meant you were recutting the song from scratch two beats per minute faster. Oh, man. And so that kind of unsolicited stuff, you know, you're not helping the process (laughs) for that kind of... uh, but input. sometimes people just want to put their stamp on it, and oh, yeah. they just want to feel yeah. like they're, yeah. you know, a part of the process, even though you didn't mm. ask. Or maybe they just are negative and have to put something down to make themselves feel better. I feel it's like, shame, yeah, yeah, it's a shame that Nick isn't here tonight because <laughs> I've worked for some of the same people he's worked for, oh. and he'd have stories he wouldn't be allowed to tell that I'm not allowed to tell either. But yes, there are some some. Situations you get put in professionally where you're working for giant committees, and not to be too graphic, but the expression is everybody wants to pee on it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, I've been involved in those projects where you know people are having input basically just to hear themselves talk, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just yeah. you got to play the game you're dealt. I'm going to tell you the worst uh, story I have when it comes to criticism was actually done by an intern that I had. So, Marshall, listen to this. <laughs> a horror story. <laughs> I'm working on a commercial. It was for a major brand. Actually, I can probably talk about it. It was for Toshiba because it happened a while ago. So I'm working on a Toshiba national spot 
And I'm when you work with um, with advertising people, it's they bring the creative director and they bring out a, a ton of people are behind you. So I had to sound design this this whole commercial, and I had to sound design the whole thing. And I'm sitting there, and the interns in the back couch, and we do this playback, and we're doing for the sound effects, and we're doing this thing, doing this thing, doing this thing. It's playing, it's playing. We finish, and I turn around, ready to get notes, and there's there's no notes. Nobody has anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the creative director, the creative director goes, "That was great. Anybody have any notes?" And it's quiet. Except for my intern, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> who for some reason thought it was appropriate to, <laughs> to say a note. <laughs> and he literally said that there was a sound effect on a certain part of the commercial that he didn't, he like the motion. He, he was like, it, it just it did, it wasn't enough motion, mm -hmm. right? And I said, you know what? That's a really good idea. Let me try a few things to make it a little more dynamic. And then I just basically put a different swooshy sound in mm -hmm. there and and they're like, mm, no, we like the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and then move forward. And then they left the room and I was like, okay, you're here to be seen and not to be heard. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that's going to make me not let you be in any more of these approval sessions is you making more work for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, and so Marshall, <laughs> you're to be yeah, shut up Marshall <laughs> and, and not her actually Marshall's really good to be honest he's already ran an approval for me he's uh, he's done some work already I'm not gonna say what spots he's done because I'm sure there's a couple clients out there that don't want to know that there's an intern working on some of their stuff. Well, then it's only a matter of time before Marshall tells you you're there to be seen in that. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> anyway, um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about um, is one of the reasons why the, the music, I didn't buy the music that um, I was asked to for my opinion on, was something that I just want to kind of um, just tell everybody, give a little refresher, and that's passion. There was no passion in the music. There was like she was singing lyrics and she didn't believe in what she was what she was saying. She didn't believe in what she was was singing. I mean, I played it for you, Bliss. I mean, how would you describe uh it made me uncomfortable to listen to because it just was very disjointed. Um it's it's like they just laid this melody down and this girl sang uh, like vocals like you know a just you didn't buy acapello it. and they just put it together like yeah not at all there was no passion and and no matter it what it was just sad <laughs> it was sad but no matter what you do you have to have some passion i mean and i want to talk to alan alan like the violin is all about passion oh yeah i mean it's it's all about I mean, oh, yeah. you got to feel the music, right? I mean, it's it's just when you're playing, talk a little bit about the passion that you feel for that. Well, um, the first part of violin playing is just mastering pitch, just one note and then one note, how it relates to the next note. And so you learn just articulation, everything before you can even really learn how to play music. So it's just learning how to feel the music before even playing a song. So it's it, kind of like even more, imper more important than the uh, just 
acrobatics of it all. Right. It's like you need to have that feeling. I mean, it's much like anything. I- I'll tell you, well, Rob, when you play the piano, Rob's an amazing piano player. I mean, it's all it's all about how you feel about it, uh, the passion that you put behind the your, your piano playing, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, I think that a lot of people in the beginning, it's all about being accurate and perfect and everything else. But the truth is, as you get more experience, it's all about the passion. I'd much rather hear a few wrong notes here and there. Same same's true with singers. I don't mind if a singer drifts out of pitch if it's for a, an emotional reason. You know, it's in the beginning, you got to try to be perfect because that's how you, you master your tool set. But then it's all about the emotion and passion and you should worry less about being perfect all the time. So the occasional wrong note is nowhere near as important as, as uh, playing with the right emotion. And I just wanted to kind of throw that in at the, at the end of this thing because it's like, that's the biggest criticism that I would have for the songs is there there was just a lack of passion. And, and, and do, lyrics. Well, <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> but but it's it's just you didn't the what made the lyrics so bad, right? Was that you just didn't believe that she experienced any of this stuff, that it had any type of I don't know, just you just didn't believe it. There was just a, a severe lack of passion. And and I've seen that actually in, in other forms of audio. I've seen it in sound design. I've seen it where people have put sound effects in on projects just for the sake of having a sound effect there and not knowing why that sound effect is being motivated. Like they think more is better and right. it's more dynamic and more interesting and, you know, like an action movie. But it's just sometimes simplicity is is the way to go because that's where the heart is and the feel is. Right. I mean, if you stack 12 tracks of white nose swooshes on top of each other, you know, it's not going to make it better. <laughs> it's not going to make it, it it's not going to make it feel any better, you know. Sometimes you could do wonders with getting the right sound and just having one one cool sound effect. But it's all feeling, it's all passion. I just want to reiterate that that, you know, sometimes if you're going to really step back and and take a look at your own work, just does it move you? Does it move anybody? Is it is it there just for the sake of being there or do you actually feel, does this make you feel? Do you have any kind of passion? And then ask Rob for his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me unless you really want to go. Hey Rob, where are you again? You're out in, uh, you're I'm in the, at the moment in the suburbs of Philly, but just for uh, tonight. The sub, Are you coming back um, soon? I am. Nice. We I'll be to- back in a few days. I'm sort of, uh, I just had my birthday a few days ago, so I'm, Doing what I always do, which is traveling around, visiting family and friends all over the country. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Rob. Thank you. I'm sitting here on Skype with my little Mylar birthday balloon <laughs> having a little party. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, uh, we're going to visit with Mr. Alan Price, and he's going to play some violin for us. Woo-hoo! It's going to be really great. So we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to Yeti Nowcast. So before the break, we were talking about uh, passion or lack of it and when to keep your mouth shut if you're an intern. (laughs) (laughs) So those two things, if you didn't learn anything, just learn those two things. Um, But 
Um, like I said, we're really honored to have a really special guest with us here today. Um, we went to see the moth, which was, um, if I don't know if you guys are familiar with what the moth is, but um, KCRW is the uh, public radio station over here. They um, put on an event by the moth, and the moth is stories. It's it's just people telling stories and the event that we went to um, was the superstars of the storytellers that have been in other moth events. And it's like a, um, it's like a concert for um, the narrative. It's like a concert for, for words, you know, it's just as passionate as, as any concert that you've ever been to, you know, there's just as much emotion um, wouldn't you agree? It's like absolutely. It's so raw and real and honest, and they don't have necessarily music behind them, you know, to heighten emotion. It's literally just your words, right? And it's so powerful um, because they're they're these people telling you these heartfelt stories, firsthand accounts of these things that they've been through to a crowd, like a large audience, and to have the courage to do something like that. Um, and to be a pro at that. And I mean, it literally just, these stories stick with you forever. So we're, we're at the, at the moth and we're sitting there and that it starts and um, we see this gentleman um, get on stage and um, starts to jam on the violin. And it was amazing. The, um, song that he put together right then and there was really great and that's when we met mr alan price and uh, before we even visit with you alan why don't you why don't you give us a little demo so people can understand uh what we're uh, what we're talking about okay
That was wow. Awesome. Wow. All right. So first of all, that was all the violin. And second of all, that was um, done in real time. He was playing all the parts. And um, you want to talk a little bit about the, the uh, technology that you use just really quick? Yeah. Uh, so I, I use a Boss ME70 multi-effects pedal for guitar and NS Wave uh, violin by, Mark, uh, by Ned Steinberg. Yeah, so, you know, this is an electric violin and a pedal. That's pretty much it. And I'm, and I'm ro- running through a Roland Cube Street amp, 50 watts. That's my setup. You know, what's, what's so amazing, and the reason why I just I loved your music, especially when it was blasting in the, uh, at the Avalon, was it, it wasn't your typical violin, but it actually had, a, you know, you, you think on a very jazz level, but you also think on a very, you know, blues level. And it's just, it was just really great to hear, and it was a really fresh, fresh sound. Um, so it's like, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, as soon as we heard it, it's like, oh, I got to get this guy on the podcast. Yeah, like we all have stars in our eyes like we did when we were at the Avalon here in this room. We're all mesmerized. And just the way that you were on stage, you were so clever with how you presented, you know, your talent and just the many layers of what you do and the sounds. And it was so cool to see that. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to bring you in because I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about what you do. I know you went to um, Berkeley and, and you studied music there. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got into to the violin and how you started and how you kind of developed your own sound. When I was five years old, I told my parents I wanted to play the violin, and they took me to D.C. Youth Orchestra where I was able to try other instruments at like a, like a, like a presentation for children. Right. And I was able to try the tuba, the trombone, everything, and I still wanted to play the violin. So at the age of six, they signed me up for classes, and I just stuck with it through high school, college, and... Um, high or uh, middle school, I was a part of a fiddling group called Pete Moss and the Bog Band, and we recorded two CDs together. Really? Yeah, and that's where I get a lot of my roots influence from. Was that? Uh, was it bluegrass? And was it very Irish, traditional I- Irish? Irish. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Jigs, reels, hornpipes. Jigs. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And so, um, and that was how old were you when you were doing that? I was like, like middle school, early teens. Yeah, oh, really. Now, how like diffi- eleven? How difficult was it when playing the violin? When I'm sure all your other friends were into like you know, wanting to be a DJ or wanting to. Did you ever come across any of that kind of stuff? Or well, I don't know. There was just something that I saw in the violin when I was younger, right? That I've always kind of felt that I didn't get from other things. Like a lot of people, they kind of see something or see somebody being successful and they don't necessarily care if they want to do it. They just want to do it because they want to be successful. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like, I just wanted to play the violin. Right. I was not thinking about bills being paid from this. I was just like, (laughs) get me a violin. I want to, I was a kid, you know, and I think that's the best time to learn something because you learn with passion versus uh, some of the other stuff like robotic and, uh, you know, kids are full of life, and I just brought that to my instrument, you know, so. Did you ever get teased when you were a kid? Did you ever? I mean, not really. Well, that's good. I, I've, always, I've always been doing my own thing, so um, 
You didn't pay attention if you did. No, it's. <laughs> I just didn't hang out with those people. I I don't know. Like I, just, it just was never a thing for me. I was in environments where I was respected and accepted. Usually, and, wow, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Because every time I think about you know some of the violin players, you know, I, I often you know, being. As someone who was in the high school marching band, we never got much respect anyway. <laughs> but if there was one group of people that got less respect than the high school marching band was the high school orchestra, you know? So, mm-hmm. and and in hindsight, you look at these people and it's like, that's why kids that are in, in music are such neat kids because they'll put up with the abuse because they love their instrument. They love playing it. They love being part of the band. I loved being in the marching band. I loved marching. And, and I loved playing in, in, uh, in the jazz band. And I loved all that yeah. stuff. And even nowadays, the kids that, that do it, I'm, I'm just, you just have to like, man, you got you to gotta hold them up and just say, these, these are pretty special people. But I think another thing is changing. Like Kids like me are becoming more and more accepted in a sure, sense. That's true. Because they have a platform through just being entrepreneurs and doing their own thing 10 15 years ago people weren't talking about tech like they are now no, it's now people true. are talking about being venture capitalists and like that that wasn't always cool and now it's like cool to have your own hours to create your own vacation times yeah. and all that like to build your own company that's like the cool thing and um you know, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> no, and I think people are more accepting and just the whole anti-bullying too. You know, yeah. people tend to tend to to come together, and um, I don't know. It's 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 really neat, and it's and it's great. Hey, Rob, when you were when you were growing up, and you're over there playing your piano, how how was it at school for you? Did you get teased a lot, or were you accepted, or were you just so amazing that you just blew them away anyhow? Yeah, I was that amazing. No, <laughs> no, I mean I. I always was drawn towards like working on the high school musicals and playing in the orchestras and, and all that stuff. And it's funny cause I wasn't really close. Most of my close friends were not musicians, but they just, we each did our own thing and that just happened to be my thing. So I didn't really get any grief about it. Wow. Was I the only one? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, we used to. You we didn't not. even know you, Mike, and we used to still talk about <laughs> it. But like bullying, like I look at being bullied as equality. It means that people see that you have something different. That's true. So, like when people bully you, they're really saying, "We don't like your that you're different. We're trying to change you," in a subtle way. No, you're hundred percent correct. So, I mean that it's just kind of like their insecurity not yours so that's true no you're 100 percent correct because and that's the way you know that i thought about it and and lord knows it's you know with where music took me in my career and the really cool facebook posts posts i can have yeah <laughs> it's like yeah there's revenge down the road and but, your friends <laughs> exactly yeah. and, my, and friends and stuff but honestly for me my my whole career I mean, especially like when I started going on stage with Stevie Wonder and stuff. I mean, we didn't look like we were meant to be together <laughs> creatively or musically or whatever, as you know. But I, my entire career was basically like being in a place where people didn't think I would naturally fit and uh, like having to beat people's expectations. And I like being in that position. Well, that is so true because I remember the first time you sat down at a at a piano for soundcheck because Rob used to play the piano for Stevie soundcheck, mm. and I'm like, 
Rob's playing the piano for Stevie soundtrack. And man, he can like Rob's the only guy I know who can come close to playing Stevie songs like I Stevie. Hear that. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it me really too. Is. It really, really is amazing. Anyhow, let's get back to you, Alan. Um, so you went to you went to school, uh you you, you took your lessons and then you um decided to go to Berkeley. How was the whole Berkeley thing? Oh, happened? Berkeley it was an amazing experience and I've been able to just find a musical family that is all over the world right now and it's just the most special thing ever did you was it a hard process when when you to get in there were you were you a little nervous or i mean like i'm gonna be i'm gonna keep it real because keep it real (laughs) we want to hear nothing but real yeah like i i applied to two colleges didn't get into one Berkeley, i got into (laughs) that's real that's okay yeah so it was just like I was just like, I'm going to try this because I've always been pro-learning anti-school. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like anti-structure of like getting people to do things one one way or like to do a discipline that could be done in hundred thousands of different ways in one way. Right. Um. So, you know, I, I wanted to do my own thing, but my parents, you know, wanted me to continue my education. So I did. And it was amazing. I just... I I love it. I love what it did to my brain and just expand my ear and allow me to communicate my thoughts through music better. Wow. Yeah. Um what was the other school? Oh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Oh, okay. I went to high school. Um and I yeah, I had an amazing experience. I was able to um do a show with Patty LaBelle as our concert master. We played over the oh, wow. rainbow together. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, played with, uh, uh, we shared a stage with, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. Wow. My 10th so cool. grade year. And yeah, but I was, I want to know what was the other school you applied for? What school did not? Oh, it was American. Thing- <laughs> it was American. <laughs> and like, honestly, there was no passion in that, in that, uh, <laughs> In the process of applying this, so I, I didn't deserve getting in there. But shout out to your parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that's that's great. That you know, Berkeley's on fire right now. There's some yeah. really great acts that are coming out of Berkeley. For I mean, sure. Um, Nick Hakim is is one of them, and oh yes, it, that's he has. I mean, Neil Jacobson's killing it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just some amazing talent that's coming out of Berkeley. So, um, so you, you got out of school, right? And, um, how did you, uh, how did you get hooked up, um, with the moth? How did that all work? <laughs> well, out? um, I've, you know, I've been freelancing in LA for a year. I moved right. out here in June and I had a Saturday where I just didn't have any gigs. So I decided to go to Hollywood and busk in front of the Trader Joe's and, you know, Somebody picked up my card and emailed or called one of their friends in New York and told them about me. I, I believe this is what happened because no one told me how I got here. <laughs> but it's like there's some referral of someone who I don't know. But, you know, I was just out playing. and Wait, you were playing in front of yeah, Trader Joe's? Yeah. Because you just didn't have anything else you yeah. wanted to play. That is fantastic. Yeah, that yeah. is that is talk about passion. Like yes. you just want to play. Well, you just want to play. So cool. Yeah. So that's and you're how it so happened. good. You just get gigs. <laughs> so do yeah. you do you play on all the uh, a lot of the moth shows or was there only this that is one the first one? Was that your first? Yeah. You would have never known. I would have never ever <laughs> known that that was your 
your first gig because it was great. You it seemed like you guys played, you know, it was such a tight tight show. I mean, I, I'm very open to doing more shows with them. So, oh, you're probably gonna do more shows with them. Yeah, so I mean, it was like that was perfect. It really was because starting the sets, you really set a really great mood. And then they were able to go into their stories, and then you took the break, and then you came back. It was it was great. What was that like playing it in uh, in a venue like that? You got a lot of positive feedback from that. Oh yeah, it felt really good. I'd played there like a month before, like for a private birthday party, and it was cool, but it wasn't a packed room. This was just amazing, uh, being in front of all those people. And even more mind-boggling, having to stay on stage yeah. <laughs> and just like—it's true, you were there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, keep a keep a relatively positive face. You did a really good job. That was a lot of pressure. Sometimes yeah. I was just like looking at you, and you were very engaged. And you and I had like, to because yeah. I knew people were looking at me. I knew it. I couldn't just close my eyes. I couldn't pull out my phone. I couldn't like laugh at inappropriate parts. <laughs> that was the issue. So. Uh, just so you know, you had the storytellers that were on stage. And then the only thing that else that was on stage was was Alan sitting literally probably about five feet behind them and in just, the spotlight on this beautiful yeah, chair yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like in the in yeah always always in the spotlight for yeah, he was like a king yeah you're like for two hours <laughs> yep it was you know so we either looked at the storyteller or we looked at you it was one <laughs> yeah. or the other <laughs> I, I knew it i knew at least like 50 to 100 people were looking at me at all times yeah, I, I was looking at you <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> But um, but yeah, but it, it actually came across really good. So now, um, what are you working on now? I mean, I know you're now you're kind of working on your your album, right? Yes, I'm working on my my solo album uh, in collaboration with Irvin Pope, who's you know been in the industry for over twenty years, and he's done a, he, he's he's the real deal, man. He's oh, done yeah. a lot of a lot of good uh, good artists. He's produced a lot of yeah. Good he stuff. would be here with me today, but he's he's in the studio. Tech Nine, uh, cool. Tech Nine's in town, so. And, you know, he's going to, yeah, the thing, I, I love working with him, you know, um, it's just his his team, his team is so supportive and they're making the process just like everything I would have hoped for because I've hold, I've held off for a while to make my album and I knew that I would have to have the right people around me or else it would just stay in my neighborhood. So I'm in a new place. All right. And this is just the perfect time. Now, what is a uh, what did what did day in the studio look like? Did, what what do you do? What time do you show up? How's that? How's that? Yeah, well, up? I mean, you know, we we keep it like afternoon. Yeah, and um, oftentimes I'll come in with tracks because I produce music as well. So I'll send him the stems, and he opens them up, and he adds his stuff. He gets on the keys because I don't play keys, right? And uh, he'll get people in his. Uh, the furnace band, he'll get guitarists on it, bass players, anything it needs. He's just, uh, he's a music guy. Like, he puts himself 100% into it. And he makes sure that the music uh, has an essence to it. Right. Now, do you play your electric violin or do you also play uh, your regular acoustic violin too? Well, mostly I've been playing my electric on shows and for my album. But I do want to incorporate some songs uh, with my acoustic violin. 
Is there a big difference in the way you play between the two instruments? Well, the electric bo- violin doesn't have as much of a body, so it's more of a dead sound, and that's why I put a lot of reverb on it. Um, and my acoustic violin is a lot more of like a hollow type right. of sound. Yeah, so it- when I'm going through my multi-effects pedal with the octave pedal, the bass isn't as strong as this one who has a, a bass pickup pretty much. It's right. made by like a company that's known for their electric basses. So electrify, electrifying my violin whenever I need to, I tend to use my electric. I got you. Yeah. That's cool. Well, man, good luck, you know. And I, know it, I can't wait to hear it. I, I want to I hear some tracks. I want to hear some tracks before anybody else. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> for sure. yeah we're so excited for you. Congrats. Yes, it's so thank cool. You. You've been it's so re- smart about everything. I mean, a lot of people just jump to the first opportunity, and you've just been so smart about every step, and that's really cool. You want to play it? Can you play some more for us? Yeah. We're going to get another round here. Yes. And what's really cool is, uh, I mean, I know it's a podcast, but um, just to see him do it live, it's really great. It's just all real time. It's all loop based and it's just really smart the way it's put together. Yeah. So like basically my process is like, I always have music running through my head. So whatever I'm thinking, I just materialize in like a rhythmic fashion to layer other parts that I could think about after I hear what I've already laid down. So, uh, um, for example, here's something I do. Thank you. 
That was so yes, good. Old time, old time vibes, and then like, I just I I love to just sketch and kind of think like a songwriter yeah. without words, and just uh, create a soundscape and see what inspires. That's fantastic. Afterward, so like for like film score type stuff, I can just play a note. gentlemen that was mr alan price mr alan price well hey thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast it's it's really great and you know what we're gonna have you back you're gonna be a friend of the podcast thank and, you uh, anytime no, seriously because it's it's really uh, it's you know i'm looking forward to watching your career and it's gonna take off because just the reaction from the crowd over at the moth it's like dude you're gonna be headlining no time soon and, it was time and to we're going to be there front row. That's right. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you there. <laughs> and it's time to, to go on the road. Yes, there's a lot of road veterans in this whole crowd that we have. Not here today, but <laughs> but um, but thank you so much. Um, when do you think your album's going to be um, going to be released? We're aiming for the end of July. Wow, that soon. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you're but, you're rapping. But I'm looking for quality over early release date yeah so and i know that you know the guy who i'm working with irvin he's very busy so i'm on his schedule so you know you what know. there's nothing wrong with taking time to do it right 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, good for you. I've waited this long. What's another month? <laughs> That's <right. laughs> What's another month? Yeah. Well, once again, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the podcast. And hey, if you have any comments or questions, um, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And we're going to post a link to Alan's Instagram. Uh, is that, that's, what's the best way to follow you? Yeah, Instagram, uh, Alan Price 123 That's pretty much all my social media accounts right now. A-L-A-N-P-R-I-C-E-1-2-3. Nice. And you know what? Uh, Audio Nowcast now has an Instagram account. And, oh. and we're going to follow you. We're going to be the first follow. Because okay. literally, we, I just like set it up. So. I think I just, I, it's, yeah. like, it's like a picture of some like castle looking house. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You'll, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I saw that. It's, yeah. I tagged you guys. That's our very first, <laughs> that's the first post. Wow. So Special. we're going gonna to be putting up some uh, um, frame grabs from uh, Audio Nowcast spaces so people can see what we've been doing and some other stuff. So, yeah. But um, great. We're going to follow you because we are literally going to follow you. Seriously, I may stalk you on, on the way home. So <laughs> Go <just> for it. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Marshall, how you doing, man? Doing great. Loving life. What do you think about the podcast? It was great. It was great to sit in. Thanks for having me. Hey, not a, well, you'll be back. Cause how, long oh, yeah. you, how long are you going to be uh, interning for? Until uh, end of July, early oh, August. Yeah. yeah, see. I'll be around. There's a lot of my work that you can be doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, work. <laughs> uh, really quick, I just want to say that Alan just met Stevie Wonder for the first time. Yes, I, uh, I went to this... Uh, live jazz show on sunday at this place called Mm -hmm. the new new house or something like that and i was uh i was just going because it was just uh an event type of situation where they just get you to come out for free and they give you a free drink so i got a free drink and i was just hanging around for two hours and someone told me that stevie wonder was supposed to be there and i was like i don't believe that (laughs) and so then i'm outside talking to the musical director and the promoter of the event and i see stevie pull up in his range rover and his daughter aisha and they open the door and it's just amazing and they stevie comes up on stage and plays the piano and he sings the songs i i hadn't recognized but it just it touched me and it moved me and after the show i was able to take a picture with him and i told him you know thank you for your music and I let him know that uh, hearing his music uh, helped made my father's day better because it's my third year without my father. Oh. And I'm, oh. I'm in a new town and, and I'm doing my own thing. But, you know, hearing something, hearing his familiar voice and, you know, just being in his presence just made the difference. And uh, he really, he really appreciated that. And he told me I'm never alone and. Gave me a cool handshake, you know, and oh, man. I was on my way. That's that amazing. is really cool. Yeah. Well, I actually was on the phone with him from that event. So I don't know. At some point, if you saw him on the phone, it could have been me he was talking to. <laughs> yeah. Because wow. uh, we're actually working on some, uh, for a long time, I've done his uh, music software for the blind for him. Wow. That lets him be sort of independent with a lot of the technologies that other musicians use. And we're working on a new batch of stuff for him. So I was actually spoke with him quite a bit over the last few days. And he called me from, uh, uh, I guess, right after that event. Wow. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. So we almost met. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Small world. Uh, 
Well, and the funny part is you're now in his life forever too. He'll remember you forever. He, when he makes a connection like that, it sticks. So once you're out there with like this album that's blowing up the world, uh, he'll be able to say he knew you when. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Rob, um, before we go, um, are you up to anything that you can talk about? Are you, uh, you know, doing anything fun and exciting? Yeah. So what I'm up to, I'm actually, uh, uh, tomorrow traveling to Florida where I'm meeting with a composer friend of mine who's actually written a few ragtime pieces that I'm going to interpret on piano for him. And they're pieces that he actually wrote a long time ago. Uh, and uh, he has asked me to sort of, because I love playing ragtime, I'm going to do these sort of intricate ragtime arrangements with him. I have an idea what I'm going to do. Uh, so I'm going to spend a few days down there working up these arrangements, and then we're going to record them. So it's going to be purely a, a piano solo performance, but I'm really looking forward to it because it's the kind of music I love to play. And it's really tricky and challenging, and I just I love it. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going down there tomorrow night. How fun. Wait, what happened to that uh, that birthday celebration that you had to play an arrangement for that you had to learn on the plane? Oh, that was actually for the same person. I did that. <laughs> How did it go? <laughs> it went great. Yeah, basically, I, I was expected to perform <laughs> a fairly intricate piece, but I was so busy with other things that I didn't get a chance to learn it <laughs> until I was on the plane on the way down there. And Luckily, that's that's been the way I usually learn stuff. I'll just listen to it over and over on the plane. I'll sort of practice by like tapping out the notes on my legs uh, and sort of hearing in my head what I'm doing. And then luckily, when I got down there, I was able to get to a piano for like a half hour before I had to perform for a big crowd just to make sure that what I had worked up in my hands actually made sense. But it went really, really well. And actually, that's what led to me doing this ragtime stuff uh, this coming week. How cool. Well, man, looking forward to hearing that. Can you play? Will you be able to play any of that stuff for us? Oh, definitely. Great. Definitely. I mean, this uh, this guy has had a very long career. He's an artist. He's a painter. He's a sculptor. He's a musician. He's done. He's a photographer. He's done all kinds of things through his life. And I'm helping him uh, preserve his music. And part of the way I'm doing that is some of these solo piano pieces. So yeah, I'm I'm going to be thrilled to let you guys hear about it. And, it, and it, they're actually going to be making a pretty big deal about him next year, and this will be tied in with it. So I'll make sure we talk about it on the podcast. That's great. I would ask you, Bliss, what you're up to, but I know you can't talk about any of the stuff you're up to because I know the stuff that you're up to. Yeah. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. That's right. <laughs> Mike, what are you up to? Uh, uh, I can't talk about it, but I will talk about <laughs> the Spaces. Spaces is going great. We're going to put some still frames on uh, Instagram, and we're probably looking for a late summer uh, end of summer release and we're going to drop as many episodes as we can it's going to be great it's our web series where we go into places where audio is made played or listened to we've been to about six studios six studios so it's pretty cool yeah all right am I, yes am i let me also give one more unsolicited piece of advice to alan which is probably something he already knows but i feel like i'd be remiss if i didn't say it so alan once your album is done because your stuff is so cool, make sure that you're going heavy duty after uh, licenses for commercials and movie trailers. Because mm. they will eat your stuff up, and it's a way to get amazing exposure. So, uh, thank you for make that. sure to do that. All right. Well, uh, it's been great. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, everybody. And uh, thank you, guys, wherever you are. (laughs) Thanks for it. But uh, we'll see you. uh, The next podcast we're going to do is going to be about two weeks, and we have some really great guests lined up. So from myself and all the guys and the girl, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.